0: I want to invite you this morning to take your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 is where we're going to go with our text today. It'll actually partner up with a story that we read this morning in our Bible reading, or today in our Bible reading with Matthew chapter 6 or 8 or somewhere in Matthew. Uh, Matthew, let's see here, Matthew 8, yes. So trying to keep up with our Bible reading, and if you're joining the church Uh, With the Bible reading, we're doing a chronological reading through the Bible, makes it a lot, uh, it it makes it really interesting. Um, I I love what uh, the New Testament, it's interspersed with the reading, and so we're reading through the Old Testament, we've already read Genesis, Job, and then uh, praise the Lord, we're through Exodus. To get with that, uh, it's really important, it's God's Word, and it's powerful, and there's reason why it's there. Um, And so we have to take note and beg God to show us what it is that He wants to teach us in that moment of reading, even if it's just that God is interested in the very details, uh, details of life, uh, doing things decently and in order. Boy, that's an encouragement and a challenge that we could live by each and every day. Handouts still in the lobby uh, on the round tables, and you can grab one of those uh, to join with us, okay? So today, though, we're continuing our series, Live Like Jesus. And uh, this is part four. Um, I've really enjoyed the series as we've been studying, and I hope it's being a help to you. We are concentrating on the relational aspect. When we talk about live like Jesus, we saw in Luke chapter 2, launching the series, that there's the relational element, there's the intentional element, and then there's the missional element. And so we're spending three or four weeks talking about just the relational element, And this relational element is so crucial to watching how Jesus would live day by day. And today's story is just like that. And so we're going to kind of transition from Jesus with his disciples at the very end of his ministry, at the very end of his life. That's what we did the last two weeks. And we're going to kind of rewind back into some of the very days that he lived and acted out love and compassion. And so I want us to start off with something. This was a little project that I, I want everybody to participate with me. I want you to look at one of your hands or both of your hands and just kind of look at it for just a moment. And, and I want you to look at the, the backside of the hand. And I've got four or five bites here. I'm still trying to figure out where those came from. And then look in the palm of your hand. When you look at your hand for a moment, there's probably a lot of stories that flash back with your, with your hands. A lot of good memories, some bad memories. If they they look like. You Think back, we would probably all get the production team to start the documentary, and it would go all the way back to the very precious moment when you were in that hospital room and those little infant fists were just curled up trying to figure out what in the world has just happened. I am no longer in this warm, safe environment. And then it would maybe move forward a little bit to seeing that same little infant fist now gripping a hold of mommy's finger for a little bit. And then as the documentary continues, there are a lot of fun things that are going to be seen by those little hands that are told by our story. Uh, Maybe the affectionate moments where those little hands would touch the cheek of a daddy or pet the fur of a puppy dog. Maybe then the story would progress at how those hands then began to learn how to do some things Those hands would be used on a chair as you would learn to take your first and second step before finally falling. And maybe the story then would continue about how you would realize that these hands can be used for some very selfish personal reasons. Like pushing down a big brother or yanking a toy from your little sister. So the story kind of continues in the progression of life. And the story develops where even you're willing to bring your friends around the TV and pop the popcorn to watch the documentary of your hands because now it shows your hands giving gifts or used to doctor a wound or to help comfort somebody. Well, then the documentary continues, and you really want to fast forward through this part because the reality of your hands comes to scenes with really offensive gestures with your hands or grabbing instead of giving. Or something that is used in a fit of anger or to give fear into somebody's life. The story unravels with your hands and comes to different peaks and different valleys. Places where you are thankful and excited about how the story would unfold. But also times when you think this is really not the best scene for my story of my hands. You see abusive fists and hands that demand instead of offering hands that wound instead of love, the power that is in our hands. When we leave them unmanaged, they become weapons that become very forceful and they guide people to harm. But when we take them and use them as instruments of grace, they become as if they are the hands of Jesus. They literally become the hands of God issuing and offering help and love. That's the story here in Mark chapter 1. Because Jesus came with the mission to accomplish the will of his heavenly father, grace, his hands, the backs, the palms, he would use them to touch and to love and to show compassion. When we come to the story in Mark chapter 1, we see the story of an unnamed, unknown leper. And this story is going to unfold in such a way that he met Jesus who was going to use his hands not to stiff arm and say, whoa, get away from me, not to use a finger that says, you can't be near me, but he was going to issue a touch that was going to issue grace, love, and ultimately compassion. Would you look with me in the scriptures to Mark chapter 1, verse number 40, there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will, be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed and straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And he saith unto him, See, thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest. And... But he went out, and he began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could not more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. This story here is one that shows what was going to happen throughout the ministry of Jesus. Parents who would bring their ailing children to him. Friends who would lower their ailing friends through a roof just to be touched by Jesus. The poor, the needy, the lame, and the sick. Those that needed a touch from Jesus would travel from great distance just to have an interaction. Not with conversation with Jesus, but by the touch of compassion. From Jesus. And so this morning we read from Mark chapter one. We'll study verses 40 through 45, and we're gonna look at this thought live like Jesus, relational compassion. Let's pray. Father, we put our full dependency on your spirit today, asking for your wisdom and your guidance. As we sit and we listen and as we communicate from you, we would ask that you would just give us your message today. Encourage our hearts. We know that we want to live like Jesus. We know that that is hard, and we know that it seems to be full of obstacles at times. But God, today, would you just help us to release ourselves from the, the excuses and the protective walls that we so quickly put up? And would we soften our heart, open our ears, be attentive to your word today, use this time purposely to mold our hearts, shape our image To be more like your son Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray this. Amen. So, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all record this story. They all have a little bit of a a different element by which they emphasize some different things. Now, the gospel of Mark is the one that is going to list very clearly that Christ was moved with compassion. And so, that's why I chose this text for us to dig into today as we see this whole relational compassion being acted out. In verse number 40, we would find that the lesson we learn by this relational compassion is that sometimes the needs around us are desperate. Now, we live in a day when there are a lot of needs around us, but we must be aware to those needs that are desperate needs. When we look at the text here, we would find that this man would have been A shock to those around him. He was diseased with leprosy. And we know, based on the Old Testament teachings from the law in Leviticus 13 and 14, that it was the Jewish leaders who would have to declare that the leper was cleansed and that he could come back into society. And so this meant that they were not able to participate in any religious or social activities. They were really castaways. They were cast out from the city. They could not be within the city of Jerusalem, and and for that matter, they could not be within any city walls. They would have to always be on the outside. The Old Testament law would also teach us that they would have to stay at least six feet away from anybody else, even in conversation. And then on a windy day, they had to be 150 feet away from anybody that was clean. So this very clearly laid out. By the way, you were getting ready to dig into Leviticus. Take note, chapter 13, 14 lays it all out. If you're a leper, here's what you can and cannot do. So they had no part of social activities. They had no part of religious functioning. They definitely had no part of relationships anymore in their life. This man was in a desperate condition. He was in a desperate need. He was facing physical suffering, social isolation, He was being in a very grievous condition. And so not only did they struggle with physical pain as lepers, but also here we would find that they had been disconnected from everything that they knew to be normal. This was the life of a leper. Now, what is getting ready to unfold and what is getting ready to happen is that this guy, this leper, who we just explained, six feet away, 150 feet away, was a social outcast, religious ruin, and had physical suffering, this man is going to encounter Jesus. And so here we would find that with all of that in mind, the great physician was not going to exclude him. Jesus Christ was not going to cast him out. Jesus Christ was not going to say, come back another day. Jesus Christ was not going to say, figure out your own solution to your desperate need. Jesus was going to do the mighty touch. Now, all around us, we would say, there are people who are desperately looking to be touched by compassion. Now, thankfully, we probably are not going to encounter anybody with leprosy but you will face people that have desperate needs all around you. Sometimes we look for selfish or self we look through selfish and self-absorbed lenses and we see other people's desperate need not to be as big of a deal as our own life problems. And so we often will not jump to the opportunity to extend compassion in this day, the desperation uh, looked very grimsome, with, uh, gruesome and grimsome with this leprosy. But in our day, it is going to be totally different that God is going to allow people to come into our life that are going to be in desperate need, all looking for the opportunity to use us to be a blessing. And so naturally, when people are in desperate need, what happens? Verse 41, Jesus was moved with compassion. So number two, true compassion will motivate us into action. You see, Luke's account of this story, when you study the gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 12, it says that this man was full of leprosy. This was not just some uh, scaly skin issue on one or two of his arms. It was not some uh, white scales coming off of the top of his head that would have just been what's going on with you. This was a man that was full of leprosy it would have definitely been clearly identified by anybody who could have seen him for 20, 30, 40, 50 feet out as this whole body of this man was rotting away. And so Christ, notice how he responds. He was not angry. He was not angry with the man who had disregarded all public health and social norms. Remember, this leper comes right on the outside. It doesn't matter how that the real value of a person is found on the inside, not on the outside. It doesn't matter how a person's body is diseased or deformed or crippled. The person on the inside is no less valuable. And what we see on the we encounter hurting, broken people all the time. And what we see on the outside is someone that may be entrapped to sin. We may find somebody who is desperate because of choices, poor choices that they are making. And our first initial reaction is, hey, buddy, hey, lady, uh, don't break away through the social norms. Don't break away from personal space. Hey, you need to just step aside for a moment and realize the condition you're in is your own problem because of the decisions you make. Now, do people suffer consequences by the choices they make? Yes, each and every day. But the reality is, is that God may want to use you with a heart of compassion that can guide them through love to help them meet Jesus. Because them is an individual that is crippled by their own sin. They are in bondage and chains to what has gripped a hold of them as an addiction. And now they are in a place where they just need to find somebody who will love them. But then the desperate needs are not always that drastic. Sometimes the desperate need is just somebody who needs conversation. Somebody just needs some spiritual guidance. Somebody just needs a little laughter in their life or some time of involvement. Sometimes somebody's desperate need is just somebody to embrace them, to pray with them, to wipe away the tears, to do something that encourages their spirit and pushes them forward and keeps their eyes on Christ as opposed to their problems. Now, Jesus was going to illustrate this over and over again. And really, it doesn't matter how a person's body is diseased. When we think about that, Jesus reached out and touched him, you know, You realize that in a sense, we are all lepers because we have all been deformed and diseased by the ugliness of sin. (laughs) And when we were diseased and we were deformed by the ugliness of sin, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place to extend his arms on a cross, to give his very life as a ransom, as a payment for our sin. He was the one that gave the healing process. He was the one who provided the element that would help us to be able to have the disease and the deformity of sin be rid of our life. That's because of what Jesus did. There's the story of Bill Gaither he was accompanying Dr. Dale Oldham on his evangelistic crusade. And the old preacher said to Bill Gaither, Hey, Bill, the word touch is a very popular word. He says it comes up so often in the New Testament stories about Jesus, Jesus touching people's eyes a word. And you ought to write a song that praises his touch. So Bill Gaither got to thinking and praying, and, and so he did. That week, Dr. Oldham's son, Doug, began singing it in the meetings. This was Bill Gaither's 54th song that he had written. And to Bill's account, he said, it became my 54th song. He said of the other 53, they had been sung and forgotten. But this one song was like a baby being born that just boomed into this world and took off. That song became the number one song on the traveling circuit with the Gaither team, the song, He Touched Me. Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. Verse 2, since I met this blessed Savior, since He cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise Him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me, oh, He touched me. And all the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. What a wonderful truth to a good old Southern Gospel song that Gaither penned the words by the Lord's leading, reminding us of that touch. If you're here today and sin has a grip on your life, there is nothing on this earth that will help you There is no hope that you can gain in yourself. There is no morality you can do on your own. There is no good work by which you can function. In order to find victory over sin in your life, in order to find true peace and true hope, it's for you to be touched by that Savior. The one who looks at you being diseased and deformed by the ugliness of sin and says, I love you so much that I gave my life for you. And I want to transform you forever. You're sitting among friends whose lives have been changed by that touch. Lives which continue to be changed by that Savior's compassion. Lives which continue to thrive, to grow, to excel, not on their own, but by the work of Jesus Christ in their life. And if you're here today, sir or ma'am, and you're pretending, or you are trying so hard on your own to earn some merit in the eyes of God, or hoping that one day good will outweigh your bad when you stand before God, I'm here to remind you it does not work that way. The Bible tells us clearly, by the authority of God, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." Titus chapter 3, verse 5, tells us the same, by the works of our righteousness, but rather which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so, sir, ma'am, if you're here without Jesus Christ, I invite you today to meet him personally. Now, as Christ exemplified a life that was constantly moved with compassion, This was a life that was always motivated into action. I jotted a few references down for your notes, Matthew 9, 36, Matthew 14, 14, 15, 32, 18, 27, 20, 34. Those are just moments that the gospels, just Matthew, by the way, the others would record other instances, when he was moved with compassion that then propelled him into action. Jesus would even teach about this with people. Do you remember the story of Luke chapter 10, verse 33? It was one of the leaders, and they said to Jesus after he had said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. So somebody said, well, who is your neighbor? And Jesus almost thought, I'm glad you asked. Because now he's going to give the parable and the story, the teaching moment of need. And who saw the one who was in, by the way, desperate need. Do you know what motivated him? In verse 33, he had compassion on him, the desperate man. So when he asked, who is your neighbor? Jesus would teach on this, and he would at the end say, who do you think is the neighbor? They said, well, the one who showed mercy. So Jesus made this sure that we all understood in this story of the Good Samaritan He did not say, be the Levite who walked on the other side. Don't be the priest who didn't want to touch the desperate man. Jesus didn't even say, hey, all of you, be the desperate man in need. No, Jesus said, be the neighbor. Be the one that's looking to be moved by compassion and be propelled by mercy. You see, Jesus doesn't want all of us to be wallowing in our desperate need. Some of us come week in and week out and all we're looking for is a good Samaritan to pour into our life. We go Monday through Friday and we wonder why nobody wants to invest in me. How come nobody's looking out for me? How come nobody's compelled by my needs and my burden? Well, Jesus didn't say, hey, here's the story. Let's all be the desperate man in need. Jesus told the story and said, let's be the good Samaritan who was propelled by mercy and moved by compassion. If that's not enough to motivate us, look at what he taught in Luke 15. Because in Luke 15 verse 20 is the story of the prodigal son. As the prodigal son has wandered away, taking all of his inheritance from his father, he has spent it, he has blown it, he is living in sin. He is so captivated by his selfish, self-absorbed life that he finally comes to a moment of desperate need. And says, the servants in my father's house are taken better care of than I am. I will go, I will plead, I will beg from my father that I could become one of the servants in his house. And so as the prodigal son makes his way back, Jesus makes sure that we see in verse number 20 that the father, even from a distance, from afar off, the father of the prodigal, the one in desperate need, saw him and had compassion and ran toward him. Here's another story Jesus gives. And Jesus does not teach in that parable for us to be the prodigal son, so desperate in need, although many of us in here relate and connect with the prodigal son more often than we would like. But Jesus doesn't say, go be the prodigal, abuse God's grace, do what you need to do, live it up, because there's a father who with great compassion will receive you back to himself. No, he doesn't say be the prodigal, though we are. He doesn't say, be the jealous son who at the end of the story says, I've always loved and respected you, dad. I've always done what you said. And Why in the world would you do such a thing in throwing a party for this wicked younger brother of mine? No, God says, don't be the jealous brother, though many of us relate to being the jealous brother. Jesus hones in and focuses on the story of being the Father's grace with love and compassion, running to the desperate need, not turning its back when he sees the Son coming. (laughs) I knew it to, I told you, mark it down, it wouldn't be long before he'd come, did I? I told you. He didn't say that. The Father didn't hold his arms together, being like, I can't wait till he comes crawling back home. I know inside I'm going to love every moment, but I'm going to make him beg for mercy. None of that was the spirit that Jesus motivated us with. He said, when the father saw him from afar off, he didn't wait. He was moved with compassion and ran toward the desperate need. That's That's compassion. So here, compassion always will motivate us in order to go into action. Church, we must never forget that true compassion is so motivating. In verse 32, he answered to the son. He said, it was fitting that we should make merry and be glad. For this, thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so this compassion motivates us. In verse 42 through 45, as the story comes to an end, we see that God uses us as a part of his work. Isn't that an incredible thought? That God would use us to accomplish his work in somebody else's life? Now, the disease was not healed by the touch. Did you see that in verse 42? As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him. So verse 41, Jesus touched. That was the action of compassion. That tore down any barrier and any wall and any disbelief. The leper has broken all social norms. He has broken the law to encounter Jesus. He has come into his presence within the city walls to beg of Jesus, if you will, you can heal me. And Jesus extends the compassion by touching him and says, I will. Now, it was the words of Jesus which gave the healing. Notice how this loneliness was treated. There are the other story about how they were healed. They were a band of brothers sticking together. Yeah, they were still social outcasts. They still had a lot of physical suffering. They were re- religious ruins. And so, yeah, they had a lot of desperation, but at least they had each other. This is a lone man with no family and no friends. And the loneliness was treated by a touch from Jesus, the power of a godly touch. Most of you, if not all of you in here, we've experienced it before. A friend who dried our tears, someone holding our hand before surgery, somebody hugging us at a funeral, a hand on our shoulder while praying with us through a trial in our life, a handshake of welcome at a new job or a new church family a pastoral prayer for healing and deliverance. I mean, haven't we all experienced the power of a godly touch? Can't we do the same? Can't we offer the same to someone else? Now, in verse 44, Jesus has touched him. He's healed him by his spoken word. And in verse 44, it says, And then he saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man... But go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now since this would have been a completely new thing for them to encounter, that a leper was healed, so they had never conducted this ceremony. Leviticus chapter 14 gives the procedure for this ceremony, the, 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 the dove and the neck and the blood and the, a bunch of stuff that would have to be done, and the myrrh and the and the Cadbury eggs and everything else had to be brought in in order for this to be taken care of, Leviticus 14. And uh, and so it had to be carried out, potentially for the first time for these priests. This would have been a strong witness to them that the Savior, the Messiah, in His power was among them. God's work through us is a testimony of God's undeniable power. Have you ever been in a place where you thought, God... Wants to use me? Or or you found somebody that said, you know, something you said to me the other day. You put your arm on my shoulder and you said, da-da-da-da-da. It was very moving and it was just what I needed to hear. You think God used my simple motion? God used my simple act? God used me? That's God showing his undeniable power in order to work through us. This past week, I posted this thought that I learned this week, was very much reminded of, and something that we need to understand with this Live Like Jesus series. Because the question we are not to ask ourselves is, what would Jesus do? The question we need to ask ourselves is, what does Jesus want to do through me? That's truly living like Jesus. Because guess what, living like Jesus, he's not going to call for you to, with the power of your spoken word, heal a leper. Jesus is not going to call for you to break bread and fish and feed 5,000 plus. That's what Jesus would do. Jesus is not going to call for you to stand in front of some tomb and with the power of your words, call somebody back to life. That's what Jesus did with Lazarus. That's what Jesus would do. So in the 21st century, 2019, the question is not what do, what do I do like Jesus, but what does Jesus want to do through me? And that shows his undeniable power to your co-workers, to your family, to your neighbors, to people you interact with. When the coworker sees how you respond in a biblical, godly way to your manager who is rude, ugly, and, and very much uh, hateful, But they see you respond in a different way than they respond. That's God's undeniable power working through you. You sit at your kids' little league game, and instead of cursing and yelling at the referees because they missed a very clear call,ed by the things that are good, riled up, and you're more positively motivated by the things that are good. That is God using you, His undeniable power working through you. Boy, especially in the sports arena, if you can keep your cool when refs blow a call, that's God's undeniable power working through you. I haven't been there yet as a parent, but I'm looking forward to it, and I'll let those referees know which call they missed by the end of the game, all right? But when we think about opportunity after opportunity, day in and day out, of encounters we have with people, it's God's undeniable power working through us, and people begin to see that. They see something different. And compassion is noticeable, not to the point where we say, hey, just want you to know, this is an act of compassion toward you, okay? (laughs) You don't have to announce it. I just want you to know this doesn't really work well for me, but this is an act out of compassion because I want to live like Jesus, okay? No, it just happens. People begin to see that. When we think of how God uses us as a part of his work, we're not motivated by pride, We're motivated out of the spirit of humility. And that is living like Jesus. How can you show compassion to someone today? I'll end with these little thoughts here. These are not in your notes, uh, but maybe want to write them down. How can you show compassion to someone today? Number one, listen to someone's story. But don't let the drama llama carry you away. Because it will. You give a listening ear to the story. But don't let the story overcome God's work and God's power. Always bring it back. Always direct to the true source of help, and that's God. Always be discerning with those conversations. Don't let people talk your ear off thinking that it's the end of the world. You allow them to tell their story, and you give them an opportunity to see God's work. So you always direct it toward God. Now, Don't always quote Romans 8.28 to them in a moment of desperation. Sometimes in a moment of desperate uh, need, the last thing somebody needs is you preaching to them that all things work together for good, brother. It's going to be fine. All right? He's going to punch you in your face. He doesn't want to see that at that moment, okay? So listen to someone's story. Number two, empathize with hurting people. Feel their pain. If you can't feel their pain, then ask God to help you. That's why I love taking Natalie on hospital visits with me. Because as she interacts with people who are in pain, I can look at her face, and if I need to get emotional, I just look at her crying, and it gets me crying. And I'm like, yeah, we can hurt with them." Not Showing compassion. Because she's your problem. No, she's up there ministering, showing compassion because she knows what it's like to be in pain and to be in that position so she can empathize. You know what I have to do? God, as I go into this hospital room right now, I want you to help me to hurt with them. Help me to feel their pain and help me to cry with them. Help me to pray with them. Help me to empathize with them. People are not looking for sympathy. They're looking for you to empathize. Do not become hardened to hurt and pain. That is so easy to do. Especially when it's reoccurring. You think, oh, brother, here we go again. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you don't feel good. Yeah, you're hurt. Do not become hardened to pain and hurt. Learn to empathize with people. Let them tell their story. Empathize with them. That's compassion. And then number three, intentionally be kind with words and acts. Look for ways to act out with words and actions that will be helpful, be intentional with it. Hey, by the way, this is important. Avoid sarcasm, avoid belittling, and avoid non-caring attitudes. And by the way, teach your kids that very important thing too. Your little girl runs and she trips over something and bumps into it and she gets up kind of whiny and crying because she's scared or scraped something. Don't let your little boy laugh at it. Oh, he's just a boy. No. You think Jesus would have done that? Your teenagers? You wonder why they don't hurt well with mom and dad. It's because as little ones, you never taught them how to hurt. They'd go over and they'd yank the ear of the puppy dog and the dog, Ah! I mean, everybody, laugh, oh, okay, now, don't do it anymore. Dog plops on the dog, the boy, and, oh, come on now, let's be kind. No. Teach your kids how to be kind and to hurt with people. Don't be sarcastic. Don't belittle situations. Don't easily dismiss things. And then number four, send a, men- a meaningful message Send a meaningful message. Maybe send a card, a text message, a phone call, a singing telegram, if you must. That's fun. Send something by way of encouragement. Send a message. Number five, my last one. Identify the need and act on it. Don't pass by. Don't hope somebody else will be compelled to help because true compassion will always motivate us into action. So identify the need and act on it. This week, it's, it's very likely that you probably will not meet somebody with leprosy. But it is likely that you're going to meet somebody who is hurting, discouraged, who's lost and wandering, somebody who is afraid, confused, maybe lonely, rejected, and just desperate. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this You cannot do a kindness too soon, for you never know how soon it will be too late. So, this week, we look at Jesus moved with compassion and put forth his hand and touched the leper, and he was cleansed. Live like Jesus relational compassion. Reach out and touch someone this week. God, we come before you as desperate creatures needing your mighty work in our life. I thank you for how we can be instruments in your hand to touch someone's power with our words, with our actions, whatever it is this week. Help us to be well aware of how we can live like Jesus. Now would you stir in our hearts, bring us to a place of application, cause us to make a decision. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.